This, uh, we've been doing the life tree, and we don't have an announcement for today, a video that we're going to do, but I, I just got this report this week. Study shows Mormonism is fastest growing religion in half of the United States. Well, I don't know how they determined, but a new study shows Mormonism in more than half. The 2012 Religious Congregations and Membership Study shows that Protestants and Catholics who dominated the 20th century are literally losing ground to the rapid rise of Mormons and increasingly Muslims. Mormons reported 2 million new adherents and new congregations in 295 U.S. counties where they didn't exist a decade ago. Where they did not exist a decade ago. They were also the fastest-growing group in 26 states, expanding beyond their historic home in Utah to the heart of the Bible Belt and as far away as Maine. Muslims came in second with growth of 1 million adherents in 197 new counties to a total of about 2.6 million. And mosques have multiplied at a growth rate of about 50%. Overall, non-Christian groups grew by 32% in the past 10 years. And the study also found that while upwards of 80% of Americans claim to be Christians, only about 49% are affiliated with local congregations. Do the math for me. 49% out of 80%. 49% identify themselves with a local congregation. What percent does that leave? Third, don't have an affiliation with a church. You know why? Because church is hard. It's difficult because personalities, because attitudes, because of opinions. You ever notice that? What do they say? Birds of a feather flock together. So what happens is, well, normally we surround ourselves with people that we like, people that we're, we can at least tolerate, if nothing else. See what I mean? Sometimes we find in a church setting, we can actually find a demographic that says, that's my group. Some of you are sitting in those groups today already. See, some of you will go to lunch in those groups. And that's normal. And that's called a click sometimes. And I say clicks aren't all bad. Clicks are necessary because that gives us a little culture within a culture. That's the way it works. Call it tribal or whatever you want to call it. It's, it's healthy. It's just we say a click with an open, with a gap. A, a click with a gap means somebody else can get in. See, a, an unhealthy click is, is a group that nobody else can get into. See, that's closed, that's bad, see? So, in this case, um, here we've got that percentage. You wonder why we don't have the kind of unity in, in Christianity that we need to have to be able to not just fend off the, the, these other alternative, potentially cultist, cultish kind of churches, but literally to expand to increase, to go out and plant new churches, to, to see the kingdom of God growing. So in this case, it's, it's almost like if... How many of you know somebody who they profess to be a Christian, but they don't go to church? Yeah. And, and have you invited them? You don't have to show your hands. Have you invited them to church? And then you heard their reasons for it. And you might have felt like, gosh, I don't know that I had a good, good reason. I didn't have a compelling come to this church, see? And, and so that may be part of it, but what has been their excuse? I want you to think about that because we have to overcome those excuses like a good salesperson, if you will. We have to overcome objections. And we've got, we've got 
that which is our ultimate. Now, you know what, the power, what we need in the church more is the power of God. We need to not talk about the power of God. We need to see the power of God. We just did in delivering two boys from certain death. Okay, now is that the power of God? Some of you might go out and say, oh, the power of God, Spirit's not there, dead. It's a dead church. Nobody loves Jesus. Come on, stop it. Recognize what he is doing. That was the problem in the day is people didn't give Jesus credit for the things he was doing. He says, my miracles, they speak of me. Well, where's the blind who are are able to see? Where's the deaf who are able to hear? Where are those who have been resurrected? I don't know. All I know is I'm willing to give him credit for what he is doing. I think some days me just staying on the straight and narrow is pretty miraculous. How about you? Huh? I think that's a pretty incredible thing. Whoa, unbelievable. We're coming up. We're doing this thing with Life Tree. This week is on Mormons. And, and it's, if you know somebody's been knocking on doors and going around, invite them. Go ahead and invite them to Life Tree Cafe. You need to come. You know why? Because they might be knocking on your door. You'll understand a little better about their belief system. You'll understand, you know, what they stand for. And, and stop, maybe we, we should not be body slamming them. See what I mean? Maybe we ought to be getting along a little different. I don't know. I just want to present to you that we believe firmly there's one way to, one way to heaven. That's through Jesus Christ. He's the only son of God. See, he, he was born a virgin and he, he, was, uh, he, was, he was crucified. He died. He didn't just, he wasn't murdered. See, he wasn't murdered. He was crucified. He died, which meant he surrendered his life. That's the difference between murder and, 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 and being crucified is that he surrendered his life and he died for you and me. So we would have life that the punishment for all of our sins would fall on him squarely. That's unlike any other, any other faith, any other uh, denominational kind of thing. It's, it's beyond any kind of faith in the world. Different than he, uh, I'm sorry, than, uh, than those guys, H. Hindus, bigger than Buddhists, bigger than Muslim. Those people are denying that Jesus Christ came in the flesh and that he, he was God's own son and that he died a death for us and that he rose from the, the grave and then he went back to heaven and he's coming again. Do you hear me saying Jesus Christ is the only way? So here's the thing. That is our firm conviction. We absolutely believe that. Now, some went to a conference last week and they heard of this thing called Chrislam and some of you have heard about it. And here's, here's both a caution and a recognizing. Let me tell you that, um, because cause I had a, a conversation about it, um, I've got a statement of faith on our church that tells you what we believe. There's no deviation from that. Like it or leave it, that's what it is. We also have a statement that says it's our core values. It's what we determine that this is, these are the things that we really feel important that we need to, to pursue. So we've got core values. We've got a statement of faith. Nowhere in there says that the Quran is equal to the Bible, okay? B- because what happens is, is I live under accusation all the time from people thinking that this church is going to do certain things because we do certain things certain ways. And, and, and you know what? I just get tired of it questioning why we're doing something. You can question the way we're doing it, but the why should be very clearly that we're about the kingdom of God and we want to see his kingdom come. And so the idea is that we got, we got 
30% of the people out there who don't want to go to churches because they got an opinion, they got an attitude, they got whatever that is going on that keeps them from wanting to go. And really what the issue is when you go to a church, it's about submission. You're, li- you're literally coming under somebody and saying, I'm going to follow you as, as, as you imitate Christ. That's what Paul says. How many times through my years have I declared that? You follow me as I follow Christ. I'm not asking you to follow me in my flesh or in my humanity or my opinion. I don't tell you what I believe. I tell you what the Bible says. See? So what happens is, is there's all this stirring. I heard it from, uh, I'm going to say, seven different people this week. And they weren't part of this church, by the way. For those who did have conversations with me, this is outside of it. You know what? All of a sudden, there's this little fear. I wonder if that's happening in our church. Boy, we've got to keep our eyes peeled. Well, wait a minute. What is that actually bringing now? That's bringing some sort of division, but it's bringing anxiety. Is that bringing peace? No, it doesn't bring peace. It's stirring up and it's stirring up some sort of challenging and conflict and and even questioning instead of this simple faith. It's like Paul says to the Galatians. He says, "Who's, who's bewitched you and robbed you of your simplicity to the faith? See? Some of that is true. Some of it could be true. But here's what I said. I think it's reasonable. And then I'm going to move on because that's not my reason today. Though it does tie in. If you've got a strategy and you're trying to reach the lost, who are the lost? But the lost aren't you. You've got Christ. You're found. The lost are going to be the Muslims, aren't they? Are the lost Muslims? How many of you agree the Muslims are lost? Please participate with me here. They are lost. They do not believe in Jesus Christ as the Savior. Okay? They are lost. There are people who deny the divinity of Jesus Christ, that he was actually God in the flesh. Those people who deny the divinity of God, of Jesus, they are lost. They could be saying yes to Holy Spirit, yes to God, but no to Jesus, and they are lost. They are not saved. Do you understand that? Okay, if you think you're going to get to heaven by going to church, you are lost. You will not get to heaven by going to church. If you think it's going to be the Ten Commandments, you will not get to heaven by the Ten Commandments. If you think it's going to be because you adhere to a doctrine or dogma or teaching of a church or of a man, you will not get to heaven. You will go to hell because that is a place reserved for the unbeliever. To get to heaven, you have to bow the knee to Jesus Christ. He's the way, the truth, and the life. There is no other. There are not many ways to God. There are not many ways to heaven. There's one way. That seems narrow-minded. The Bible actually calls it very clear. Calls it that it's no confusion with that. You don't have to worry if you're in or if you're not in. See? So here's the thing. What some of this contention is bringing... This division is it, it's, it's so unclear. I said, I don't like the fact that the pastor didn't come right out and say, no, I'm not. I believe in the divinity of Jesus Christ and he's the only way. I don't know why he didn't do that. But man, I've got enough to do just trying to keep myself on track and lead a church and see people come into the kingdom of God, much less the wrangling amongst ourselves because the Pharisees were doing the exact same thing to Jesus. He's teaching heresies. That's what they were saying, isn't it? 
Now, here's the thing. If you ain't got the facts, you got a little bit of fact, you're in a dangerous place. See, if there's a presumption of innocence in our legal system, then we ought to extend that especially to people who are trying to lead their churches, to people who are trying to make an impact to reach the ones who have rejected him, who don't know about him. What that just means is I'm not presuming guilt, I'm presuming innocence until there's enough fact to make a declaration. And then when it is, everybody who believes in the divinity of Jesus Christ will rise up and we will curse that thing. We will say, no way, that is a heresy. Right now, it's just a bunch of opinions. It's a little bit of fact, it's a little bit of this. Well, he did this and he did that. Okay, stop it. Who are you, Satan in the flesh? Because Satan is who? Come on, Satan is the accuser. Hello, is that, what does accusation mean? Well, I heard he's doing this. That's gossip. I heard, stop it. Did you, did you visit the site? Did you look on there? Did, does he talk about Jesus Christ and salvation? Are they baptizing people? Are they baptizing them for Jesus Christ? Are they baptizing them for Allah? I don't know. But it might be that there's this, This amazing scheme, or maybe it's a wonderful plan that God gave the man to say, here's what you're going to do. I want you to reach him. So you got to get close enough to him to earn the privilege to actually talk about your own theology. What does that mean? That means you let a prostitute wash your feet. Oh, doesn't he know that that's a prostitute? I can't believe it. Look at who he's running with. See, those are the conniving little sniveling things that are on the outside. And meanwhile, it's like, hey, I can't tell you because once I give you a press release, it's going to hit the news. It'll make all those questioning Christians happy. Yay, he finally came out and made this declaration. I've lost the ability to reach that whole segment that I was trying to reach because now I've revealed my plan. Does a thief, does he tell you how he's coming in to to steal, kill, and and, and, uh, destroy in your houses? Does a thief tell you what hour he's coming to mess with you? The answer is no. He does it by sneak. You know where he got that? Because God knows his plan from the very beginning. Jesus himself is revelation that Satan had no clue about what God was going to do with Jesus Christ. God didn't tell him and reveal it to him. To him, his eyes were closed to that, that his ultimate defeat was going to happen in that moment of the cross when he was going to be raised back from the grave. That's exactly so. Did God reveal it? He did somewhat, but he said there are people who have eyes to see and there's people who don't have eyes to see. And one of them that was blinded, one of them who is not all-knowing is Satan himself. So I just want to present it to us, folks, so that you can stay. What about your life? What about your decisions? What about your own faith? How are you doing with with, with this whole gospel and representing Christ? And all the gossip and all the rumor and all that other stuff, you're getting stirred up. Talk about Jesus, not talk about Chrislam, not be talking about all this other mess. There are people who are anointed to bring forth to expose that. They're supposed to judge those things. See, it's an obligation and responsibility for those people. It's not for everybody else to go around convicting and trying to convince. That's what the body of Christ needs is unity. So I want you to think about that. I could give you so much scripture and evidence to back what I'm telling you. But what I'm telling you is a pastor's heart is not out to deceive the people. 
Now the pastor can, can become deceived, but the truth is, there's a scripture I hold on to. Do you know what it says? If possible, if possible, say if possible, even the elect would be deceived. Do you know the scripture? Do you know that that means there's a keeping power of God that for those he's ordained that they'll have revelation knowledge, insight, and understanding? They don't have to be deceived. They don't have to be duped. That he can begin and he can preserve. Boy, I just thought this week there was a a moment we were watching this abuse. It's 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 an abuse video that we're going to be doing for Life Tree Cafe. Talking about sexual abuse. Wow, what a difficult topic. And do you know what I thought back on? I thought about my deviant behavior and my, how I was before I accepted Jesus Christ. And I thought, what is it that kept me from certain sins? What is it that kept me from violating my, my beautiful little girl? Why is it that I never dabbled in things like that with her? When I did all these other things and justified my behavior, why is it that I never touched my little girl? Wow. All of a sudden, I was overwhelmed with this idea of the keeping power of God that when I was capable of anything, that he kept me from that very thing. I didn't do that in my own strength. That's, a, that's this, this amazing power of God that was manifest in me, an unbeliever who was actually sold out to Satan, if you will. And he kept me from that. I had a revelation of his grace, amazing grace this week that left me speechless. I have no reason for that except the the hand of God that kept me. Wow. You know what I'm talking about? I'm talking about conviction. Do you hear? It sounds like I'm shouting. I'm actually not. I actually yell even louder than that. What it is, is I have a firm conviction, and I'm, I'm just aware of people being attacked all the time, and pastors being attacked, and character, and integrity, and all this attack. You know what? As God says this one promise that I want to end it with, He says the hidden things will be revealed. Now, do you trust Him to reveal the hidden things? I don't know about you, but in my life, whenever I've had something hidden, He sure has exposed it. Now, the way he does it isn't as the world would expose it. Let's drag him out. Crucify! Crucify! No, instead, he does it in such a way to allow redemption. He does it in such a way that there's, there, there can be wholehearted repentance and then restoration. The things that we do, we're, we're seeking after something and... And we might even take up offense because if that's true, that somebody is moving in these things, then what's happening is some innocent people are being wounded and they're being misled and misdirected. And, but don't fault somebody for trying to reach a segment of the lost who are absolutely lost. Because there's got to be a strategy. And you know what? We didn't even know. America didn't know until Osama bin Laden was killed and, and our top secret stealth helicopter was discovered. Nobody knew that thing existed. Do you know why? Because you don't create some sort of a weapon that you're going to use for righteous purpose and then reveal it to the enemy. Hello? It becomes not stealth anymore. Can we agree to that? Does that make any sense at all? So the thing is, is that remember this, it was a fundamental principle for me when I got saved. You know what that is? God is good. The devil's bad. 
Thereby, God can't do any bad and the devil can't do any good. It says this, is that God will keep you from sin and sin will keep you from, from God. It tells you that the devil in his plan is that he's the one who perverts. God is the creator. Satan is the counterfeit. So whatever God intended for good, Satan tries to mess up and make for bad. But then God comes back and says, whatever was bad, God can make good. So he's the one who originates good. He's the one that gives a strategy. He's the one that assigns, and here it is, do this. Then Satan comes and perverts it. Remember the sowing of the the, the seed and the weed? It says that the farmer went out and he prepared the soil and he tilled and he did all the things. And then he went out and he sowed and broadcast his seed. And then the thief, the bad guy came in the night. And what did he sow? He sowed a bunch of weed. The question is, folks, are you sowing seed or are you sowing weed? See, so what happened is that they both grew up. And then what happened is a weed wants to choke out the seed. Do you understand? He also said in another parable, he called it the parable of the sower. Remember that? So here's the thing. There's some times with life where we get off on this tangent ourselves and we get off of focus because God's saying, what about you? What about you? Hey, what, what about him? You're telling me how I'm going to die, Peter says. What about him? And Jesus says, you follow me. You follow me. What is it if I want him to live forever? Wow. Okay. A little rebuke. I'll say el rebuque. Huh? little rebuke right there. I'm telling you that there's a rebuke that needs to be made for, for sometimes Christianity because we begin to, oh, what about the bug? What about the bug? What about Y2K? What about, oh, oh, oh. Here we are all this time down the road. God keeps giving us all these instances whereby we either stand firm on our faith, trusting him, or we go off nutsoid, wringing of hands and saying, oh, 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 oh. Can he keep you? Does he put the seal of the Holy Spirit upon you on his work, his investment in you? And the answer is emphatically, yes. If you doubt, you need discipled. I might not be the guy to do that. Because I have a shaking ministry. Here, Here it is. I'm not going to give you all this because I can't. I want to start with Jude chapter, uh, it's chapter, yeah. Just, just one chapter in Jude, by the way. Jude verses 14 and 15, give this to you. Enoch, how many of you knew Enoch? Yeah, maybe you didn't, maybe you didn't. Just, just, just a thought. Enoch, who lived in the seventh generation after Adam, prophesied about these people. He said, listen. The Lord is coming with countless thousands of his holy ones to execute judgment on the people of the world. He will convict every person of all the ungodly things they have done for all the insults that ungodly sinners have spoken against him. Wow. To execute judgment on the people of the world. Do you remember what Jesus said about judgment? Where is it going to begin? House of God. Can we trust him? We can trust him that he'll bring judgment right on the house of God. Do you know what that means? That does not only mean pastors. Do you know that that judgment that he'll bring includes you? Do you see? He looks at the church. He looks at the body. We're part of it. And we're also part of the world. We're in the world, not of the world. What does that mean? We don't go calamity like the world does. We don't accuse according to the world. Why? Because we operate in a place called... G-R-A-C-E, grace. 
grace. And the minute you depart from grace, you come into the place where all of a sudden you've entered into the ministry of accusation. You're moving into a place of judgment. You're moving into a place where it's kind of your way or the highway. Whoa, tough stuff. So what does God say? He says he will come. He will execute judgment on the people of the world, including his church. He starts with the church. He will convict every person of all the ungodly things they have done. How about that? When you stand before God, a pastor stands and is even more accountable before God than anyone else is. Do you know that? The word of God says that. Those who have set their hearts to teach, they incur a stricter judgment. Wow. That means when I get whacked out, if I get whacked out, I'm going to incur a judgment for that. I don't know. Every now and then I have to come back and say, oh, I misspoke. I, I did something wrong. I, I, don't, I don't have a problem doing that. Guess why? Because I'm aware of that right there. God reveals even the hidden things. My kids grew up, didn't they, Trish? What's the old saying you grew up by? Remember it? When you try to get away with something. Yeah. You know why? I, I didn't go around just telling her that. I only said that after the fact when it was revealed that she did something she thought she got away with. And then God made amazing divine appointments for that to, become re, re, to, to be revealed. And she was always like, unbelievable. I can't get away with anything. John chapter 8, verse 10 and 11. These are up on the wall for you, so I'm making it easy. Jesus stood up again and said to the woman, where are your accusers? Didn't even one of them condemn you? Do you remember that scenario now, right? Everybody knows that story. The woman who was caught in adultery. There's a guy and there's a gal. They should have both been brought before the the leaders and they would have been stoned, see? But instead, what happens? They only drag the woman there. We know that. We've heard that before. And then he says, let him who's without sin cast the first stone. What it says? He says, where are those who condemn you? Says, no, Lord. She says, there's none there. And Jesus says, neither do I. Go and sin no more. You could trust God to say, go and sin no more. You could trust God to bring that. You know what that's called when he says, go and sin no more? You know what it is when you're tempted with sin? You know what it is that'll keep you from it? Holy Spirit's one. but, But let's say what the Holy Spirit does. Conviction. Conviction is going to keep you from going there. You know why? Because that's not honoring to God. That's not what a Christian's supposed to do. So you know what? Let only blessing come out of those mouths of yours. Why? Because he says that both things come out of that. That, that diarrhea kind of conversation comes out of there. And the blessing comes out of that same place. Ew. 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 So in this case, he says, nor do I condemn you. But there's a conviction. He leaves her with a conviction to go and sin no more. Why? Because I've been, I've been forgiven greatly. Forgiven of great transgression. And he says, go and don't do this again. And you know part of her conviction is? I just got, I just got a second chance at life. I rolled the vehicle and, and I walked away. I got another shot. Now what's she going to do with it? Same thing you and I have to answer to. What are you going to do with this grace that you've been given? What have you done with conviction? Let's look at your bulletin for me. I put it in your bulletin for that reason. Three questions I asked there. 
I don't think I even have a bulletin. Whatever they are. Thank you, man. Here, what is your definition of conviction? Somebody throw some terms at me here. I've got it written down, but go ahead. What's your, your, what's your uh, definition of conviction? Feeling guilty. Absolute belief. Those are two pretty good ones right there. What else? Yeah, a little voice in your head that says, don't go there. Some of us, it's a big voice in our head saying, don't even think about it. What else? Someone else take a stab at it? Devotion. That's a good one. Loyalty. So here, here, here's, here's mine, okay? A set of beliefs that lead to, our, to, lead to or result in actions. You have a conviction, and that conviction causes you to act a certain way. A declaration of guilt resulting in punishment or a sentence handed down by a judge and jury. That's also a conviction, right? So a conviction is somebody else made a declaration of your guilt or innocence. If you were innocent, you're, you're not convicted, then you're innocent. If it's a conviction, then somebody else is determined based on the evidence that you're guilty. So that's a conviction. So the first set of beliefs that leads to our, or results in action is a basic conviction. The legal, de, uh, legal conviction is that which has been determined by others, by a judge and jury. A spiritual conviction is a sense of duty, responsibility, or moral obligation to change a behavior, attitude, or action. That's what conviction is, to change a behavior. Because here's the deal. I don't think you ever arrive. You won't arrive to where you don't need to change an attitude or a behavior. See? So what happens is I'm on a constant pursuit of the spiritual sense of what will convict me. Guess what convicts me? Right here. The Bible is the first thing that convicts us. Second thing I'll get to in uh, next week, I guess. Um, the, the B answer to this is a sense of remorse and deep sorrow that leads to repentance and turning away from a choice or lifestyle. It's accepting responsibility and then turning away from that. A sense of remorse and deep sorrow that leads to accepting responsibility, turning away, repenting from the choices or a lifestyle. That's a conviction. How many of us deal with conviction radically like it's supposed to be? How many of you know what you're supposed to do with conviction? What does conviction look like in your life? That's the second question. What does conviction look like in your life? Come on, I've heard it quoted since I got involved in in when I first... I wasn't even saved yet and I heard it in churches. You know what church people like to say all the time? Don't just be hearers of the word, but be doers of the word. Hello. The only problem with that, that may be your conviction, but it's not such a deep enough conviction that it actually brought about change of result because we continue to say that and we continue to do the same things over and over again. There's a problem with that kind of conviction that says, well, we're to be hearers of the word and doers of the word. (laughs) How are you doing with the doer part? Be honest. Maybe you're not actually convinced. Maybe you haven't come to the point where you've got the conviction that is a spiritual conviction. 
Mom and dad can't put it on you, though we can convict you. We're judge and jury. The truth is, is that conviction won't bring about the change needed, will it? They just find ways to be sneaky, try to get away with it. Claims of insanity, even. Jack had a situation this last week, didn't you? You want to tell that real quick? Better if you come up here. That way I don't have to leave. Sure. You wanted to to this situation, didn't you? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I was in uh, at uh, CVS in uh, Martins Ferry. Judy was waiting in the car while I went in the drugstore. And uh, I, I looked both ways before I crossed. Uh, and I got <laughs> halfway across and a, uh, a truck just about ran over me. And so fast, he'd come around the corner so fast, I, all I could do was stop. I said, hey. Was that yell loud enough? That yell? Yeah, he probably yelled louder than that. But... Yeah, I did. Hey! That's it. Uh, and uh, so I wanted to see who this guy was. He pulled over and uh, was getting a paper or something. And, and I walked up. I said, hey, you, you got to watch it, buddy. I saw you, he said. Just like that. He, he just had no <laughs> idea what he was doing. He, he may have scared me uh, into a <laughs> heart attack. But, uh, so uh, he didn't want to care. He just, I said, well, have a nice day. I, I knew he wasn't going to respond any the way I wanted. I said, okay, have a nice day. See, the deal is, that guy wasn't convinced or convicted of what he did. Yeah, thank you, Jack. He wasn't, he didn't have a conviction that Jack was never in, he was never in harm's way. You were okay. It's no big deal. So, Jack did the wise thing. I thought it's kind of brazen of him to go up to the guy anyway, but uh, that's Jack. So, so here's the deal. He recognized, though, that the guy didn't actually have a conviction, so he didn't really care. He never said he was sorry. He didn't apologize in any way or take any ownership of it. That's when you do something that is just called ignorant. Why are you ignorant like that? Own it. Apologize. Even if you didn't mean to do it, it's, it's not what I thought happened. It's what he thought. Jack it was serious enough to him. He came up and asked the guy a question. What's conviction look in your life? Conviction should look like a turning away. Running, it's like that. This thing is it's deadly. It'll kill me. And I drop it and I run. I don't want to look like that at all in my life. So whatever that thing is, God puts his finger on because he loves us. He puts his finger on and says, I want that out of here. No place for that in your life. Son, daughter, child, I want that out of here. And then that's what we've got to do. It's praying. If you're still struggling in sin, you're still struggling with different issues where they continually trip you up, you've got to pray for a conviction. You've got to pray that, God, I'm, 
That's because that's what brings the change. I become absolutely convinced, convicted in my heart that this is not acceptable. This is not okay. I can't justify it any longer. That's where real change will begin to happen. You ask somebody else, do you think I'm submitted? Do you think I have conviction? And they'll tell you, no way, Jose. You know why? Because there's areas of our lives that we haven't come to a full surrender in. Here's some things where people were convicted. It says they they sought to kill Jesus. Why? Because they, they had this conviction. Now, it was bad. They tore their robes because of that. It says that Peter wept bitterly. What was that when he denied Christ for the third time? There was a conviction that he just, he did what he said he wasn't going to do, and he wept bitterly. That's what conviction looks like. It's a, it's, a, it's a real weeping before the Lord. If you don't weep before the Lord and say, hey, sorry about that. Oh, sure, he might excuse you and forgive you, and he might even cleanse you from all that. You will not have victory over it because you haven't actually sought it for it with tears. You haven't actually become convinced that you need to do that no longer. Folks, we got to hang out and, and just hold on to it until we can't open our fingers anymore off the cross. That's what conviction will do. And then you will have the change in your life that you absolutely need. You know what we want? Okay, tell me what's wrong and let me get on with it. You don't want to be lectured. So guess what? Easy fix. Go ahead, spank me. Well, uh, that's over with. I'm going to go back out and steal some candy. Did there, been there, done that. How about the idea that when they, when they were on the road to Emmaus and they said, didn't our, didn't our hearts burn within us at the sound when he was speaking to us? They didn't even recognize him. Didn't our hearts burn? There was a conviction over the voice of Jesus over anything else. And then that conviction came, see? How about the centurion? When, when Jesus is hanging on the cross and, you know, there's all that moment. And then he says, surely this was the son of God. That's a conviction that came into his heart. All the preaching, everything else he's witnessed. It was, it was a moment where conviction came and he said, surely this was the son of God. It's the reason that you came to Christ because you, had a con- you became convinced and you were convicted in your heart of your separation from God and your need to bow the knee and to say, come into my life and change me. Come into my life and be Lord. Come into my life and let me live my life for you now from here on. And then what happened is it was easy to go both ways. And sometimes when we teeter like that, we ended up finding it comfortable here. And then, hey, church is only on Sunday, so I can be comfortable then. And when you got comfortable, you lacked conviction. Because conviction will keep you from getting real comfortable with the flesh. It always will. You know what our Christians' core set of beliefs are? It's called, uh, one of them is called the Nicene Creed. How many of you grew up Catholic? Read it every Sunday at Mass. Little Nicene Creed, little variations in them, but the bottom line is it's a declaration of what we believe. Well, if you believe that, you ought to live your lives according to that. The last one says, have you developed a resistance to conviction? 
You know why? Because you hate weeping before the Lord, because you hate the feeling that you feel guilty. Here's, here's the, I'm going to end with this. It says, there was an old, uh, what was it, Pinocchio, I think it was. Jiminy Cricket, how many of you remember Jiminy Cricket? Fancy dress little cricket, insect. Remember what the, the, the little fairy came to, to him? There's a little scene where the little fairy comes to, or not a little one, big fairy, came to him and remember what it said? It said something about, remember, in word and deed, always let your conscience be your guide. Do you know that, inter- that, uh, that introduced a heresy into the church? Do you know how it did? Because your conscience isn't a reliable source of what morality, what is right and wrong. Because your conscience kicks in after the fact. Do you get that? That's powerful what I just told you. Conscience kicks in after the fact. Conscience will not keep you from sin and it won't deliver you from sin. Conscience doesn't always bring conviction. That's why we're guilty over and over and over. So there's a powerful difference, a separation from that which is guilt, shame, humiliation, sorrow. Those things are not reliable evidence of conviction. Do you get that? Those things, guilt, shame, humiliation, sorrow, are not reliable evidence of conviction. Do you know why? Because conviction comes from the Holy Spirit. The conviction comes from the Holy Spirit who, being of the triune Godhead, He doesn't bring guilt and shame and humiliation and condemnation. He brings a resolve. He brings a sorrow. Paul writes about it in 2 Corinthians. Did I give you that one too? 2 Corinthians. He says it this way. He said it in both two places. One is in uh, chapter... Seven, I think, and the other was back in chapter five. He talks about sorrow, but here it is. For though I cause you sorrow by my letter, I do not regret it, though I did regret it, for I see that that letter caused you sorrow, though only for a while. I now rejoice, not that you were made sorrowful, but that you were made sorrowful to the point of repentance. For you were made sorrowful according to the will of God, so that you might not suffer loss in anything through us. For the sorrow that is according to the will of God produces a repentance without regret leading to salvation, but the sorrow of the world produces death. Do you remember when you sin, what happens immediately thereafter? I've got this amazing guilt, and then I feel this shame, and then I feel this despair, and that's not God. It's because you do have a God spark in you. You have the Holy Spirit in you. You have a little bit of conviction, but those elements themselves will not deliver you. They will not keep you. What you need to have is the prompting of the Holy Spirit that says, don't even go there. The prompting of the Holy Spirit, because he says that he's going to give us the Holy Spirit. It's John 16. Verses 7 and 8 is really where it picks up. But he says this, in fact, it is best for you that I go away, Jesus is saying, because if I don't, the advocate won't come. If I do go away, then I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world of its sin and of God's righteousness and of the coming judgment. 
There we are back at Jude chapter, or verse 14 and 15. He will convict the world of its sin and of God's righteousness and of the coming judgment. Do you see what happened? What I love is he doesn't just convict you of sin. That's the difference between the devil and God. The devil only tells you about your sin after he tripped you and got you into it. God's the only one who's going to lift you back out of there and say, here's how you should walk. Here's my grace. Walk there in it. Go and sin no more. That's the difference. That's what God does. He shows you both your sin and he shows you righteousness. He says, here's how you're supposed to walk. Boy, how I love Jesus. Oh, how I love Jesus. Folks, some of you have been dabbling with the flesh and dabbling with sin and dabbling with all kinds of issues in your heart and, 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 and issues with God, issues with pastors, issues with churches, issues with people. Get over it and get a conviction of God and what he wants you to do. You're in New Life Fellowship because he called you here. He appointed you here. It's not because you like it. If you like it, you may not have the right conviction. Your conviction is a tickling of the ears instead of a conviction that says, I'm where he wants me to be. I'm not going anywhere because I'm going to endure this. Even that guy yelling at me simply because this is where God has said I need to be. Because when I'll be where he wants me to be, I will produce the kind of fruit that he wants out of my life because I'm not there because I like it or not. I'm there because I need it. And he brought me to that place. This is the vineyard of the Lord. This is the planting he wants you to be in so that you can grow. If it's not, I want to release you. I want to bless you. Here's the deal, folks. You go wandering around. That's what they call vagabond sheep. The vagabond sheep doesn't want to come into the pen when the shepherd says, come on, get in here. He doesn't want, no, hey, I'm a big boy. I can do what I want to do. Okay, there's the wolves out there and God knows it. The shepherd knows it. Here's the deal. Those things, guilt, shame, humiliation, sorrow can be from the accuser. They condemn. The devil likes to trip you up and then kick you when you're down. Anybody ever been kicked when you're down? Let me tell you that God weeps over you when you've been down and you felt that you've been kicked. That's not his idea for your life. Godly sorrow leads to repentance. Godly sorrow leads to repentance. If you've developed a resistance to conviction, the question will be why. I'll tell you why. Because I never like somebody sticking their finger in my face and and forcing their will upon me or forcing their righteousness upon me. I never like somebody. Remember I said last week, I didn't want somebody. I I said, how many of you want to be fixed? And a few of you raised your, your hands. Most people don't want to be fixed. How many of you go to the doctor and then they tell you what to do and you don't actually do what they told you to do? Because you say, I want to be fixed, so you go to the doctor, but you don't actually do what they tell you to do, so thereby you're not going to actually get better. See? You go to church and you hear sermons and they talk about righteousness, talk about sin, and you just say, I hate it when they talk about sin. Can he do something that makes us feel good? Can he say something that lifts our spirits? Isn't that what it's for, is to make us feel better? To prepare us for this week of, you know, being in the world? Yes, but I'm telling you, if, if you'll get a hold of the Holy Spirit, because that's what he says, he will give you the Holy Spirit. He will lead and guide you. He is your teacher. He is your counseling. He is your counselor. Between Jesus Christ, God who put you here, Jesus Christ who saved you, and the Holy Spirit who will keep you, preserve you, teach you, educate you, and convict you, if you'll embrace that, 
You will live a fulfilled life. You will begin to walk in the light. You will begin to have the joy of the Lord. You will not have this up and down sorrow. You'll be walking in sunshine. Isn't that kind of what we want anyway? Let's pray. Some of you here,